Welcome, everybody, to the Safety Wire podcast. My name is Timothy Wade, joined here by my guest, Matt Nenzowski. Uh Matt is a fellow colleague of mine at Constant Aviation. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Timothy? Oh, fantastic, man. Thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, this is episode two, and we already have a guest lined up, so that is uh, pretty cool that we are already breaking into the guest portion. So, Matt, I want you to go ahead and do a quick intro. Tell us about what you do, uh, where you're located, and you know, just a little bit about your background in aviation. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me on. It's awesome to be part of this new podcast. I'm excited to see where this goes. And uh, the market that this can reach and everybody in aviation. So thank you. Uh, it, it's an honor to be on. You're welcome, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Matt Nanzoski. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, we're colleagues both at Constant Aviation. Uh, I'm an AOG tech with you guys. I'm sure we'll break that down a little later what AOG means, but basically I'm a mobile aircraft uh, mechanic. Uh, I'm actually originally from Ohio uh, and I currently live in Eagle Mountain, Utah, which is just south of Salt Lake City. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much. Um, now, how did you get into aviation? What was your uh, what was your background prior to you coming to Constant? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, uh, I grew up with Navy grandparents uh, close to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base there in Ohio. Uh, and little history, uh, Wright-Patterson had the C-5 Galaxy growing up as a kid. And when we would go down there, I would see the C-5 and think, man, look at this large airplane flying around. How cool is this? And then uh, going to the National Air Force Museum, which if you haven't been, you've got to go. Um, but incredible museum and, and it introduced me to not only being, you know, the air force environment, um, but aviation and I, and I fell in love. Um, and then luckily enough, I was able to work on the C5. I joined the air force straight out of high school, um, was based in, uh, Dover, Delaware, Dover air force base as a C5 crew chief. And, uh, that's how I got into aviation. Outstanding. Yeah. And thank you for your service, by the way. And thank I think you. there's. There's no better aircraft to pull you into aviation than the C-5. That thing is a monster. It is enormous. Uh, I, I absolutely, I love that aircraft for sure. So you starting out in aviation with the military, progressing yourself through your career now where you currently see yourself with AOG, how would you describe the safety culture from when you first entered into aviation compared to what you're seeing nowadays in our industry? Sure. Well, when you look at the military and you look at what we're doing now in the civilian world, there's a huge difference. And I think most people who have done that transition can see that, um, you know, for a lot of the Air Force veterans, you'll understand that as a crew chief, you're considered APG all-purpose general. You know, you're you're the master of none, but you're the jack of all trades. Um, you know, but when you look at the civilian side, you're given a license and you, you run with it. You know, we're doing, you know, everything you can think of and in between, you know, small, big, you know, we're engine run and taxing airplanes all the time. I mean, there's there's a huge change of um, how we're qualified to do tasks. Um, and so that's what I see between the military and the civilian sector. But uh, coming out of the military, you're kind of ingrained with this safety culture Um you know, keeping track of your tools, you know, making sure that everything you're doing is very detail oriented. Yeah, that integrity and accountability piece that they, you know, hardcore ingrained to us while we're in the military, for sure. I can definitely see how that would be beneficial with AOG. So we've discussed a little bit about what AOG is. You mentioned it was a mobile technician, but can we break that down a little further? Because I believe AOG is a very specific role in aviation. It's a very niche market right now, but very, uh, very lucrative. There, there's a lot going on when it comes to AOG. Could you explain to me um, what your job scope is and how that is different from, say, hangar-based operations? Because like we said, we're with Constant. That's a part 145 MRO. We do a lot of hangar-based maintenance. But how does that differ in the AOG field for you? 
Sure. So when I first got out of the Air Force, I moved to Indianapolis and I worked at a really large MRL working for the airlines. Um, and to piggyback off the getting out of the Air Force, a lot of people noticed I would walk around the hangar and I, they would see my eyes staring at the floor and they wonder, what is he looking at? And it's was the it was the FOD walk, you know, you're used to doing the FOD walk every day. You yep, double arm interval, man. We do the FOD exactly. walk all the time. <laughs> so, you know, when I transitioned into that, I look, I worked at a large MRO and it was, you know, you're doing the same critical tasks almost every day. And when I say that, I, you know, that's that's not, you know, to pick at the MRO, but, it, but it's a different environment completely. Um, the aircraft comes in, you're doing heavy inspections most of the time. The same things are coming off and the same tasks are getting done. Uh, through the end of the project. And they're generally seeing people who are comfortable with what they've done for a long time doing that same task, you know, repetitively, and they get used to it, and then they train the next person. Um, when you look at AOG, uh, AOG, you know, aircraft on ground, anytime an aircraft breaks down is considered AOG. Um, there's different terms for an AOG tech, some will call it a, uh, MRT, you know, mobile response team. But at the end of the day, we're, we are mobile technicians. So, for myself, you know, with constant, I have a van that you guys have, uh, you know, given me very fortunately, I keep it here in my house and I get a phone call and they say, hey, Matt, can you go, uh, for instance, last week, I went to Boise, Idaho, you know, I went to Rock Springs, uh, Wyoming, and, the, you know, you never know where you're going to run into. It could be something you've never seen before, an aircraft you've never touched before, um, but they're giving you that trust to go out there and, um, learn what you need to do, communicate well, and then fix the aircraft and safely release it, you know, and not only a timely manner, but um, good communication. And, you know, again, it's a huge amount of trust. You know, it's it's something new all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I've always kind of looked at AOG, uh, not more or less riskier, but you guys are kind of the Wild West. You are on your own. You're working by yourself for the most part. Uh, a lot of times late at night, difficult conditions. A lot of times they want these aircraft turned around quickly and at, at odd times. So for sure. And I like that you're pulling this back to safety. So, you know, we've discussed constant already a little bit and we have our own internal processes for, you know, risk and risk mitigation. But for you on a personal level, out in the field on your own, how do you personally manage risk when it comes to these odd situations you might find yourself in? Sure. So one thing with AOG that, you know, people take for granted is we are own quality assurance. When you look at a 145 hangar, you see you have your quality assurance techs, you have your leads, you have multiple forms of backup to make sure that everything you're doing is triple checked over and over. Um, when we're on the road, we are by ourselves. We're in new environments all the time. We're in new towns. We're working, just as you said, in difficult weather conditions. It could be extremely hot, extremely cold. Um, we're working daytime, nighttime, long shifts, short shifts. It's it, it's always changing. So for myself, it took me a while to learn um, how to kind of you know mitigate some of those risks. Um, I, I'm going to take this back to when I was in the Air Force and I started as a flying crew chief. I had a great instructor and. Uh, we were on this flight and we had something simple that went wrong. A little master came up, said, hey, chief, can you can you look at this uh, by headset? My, I, I can't talk out of my headset. Nobody can hear me. And I went straight into this big rush. And I'm thinking, let's swap com boxes. You know, I'm going crazy in my head. I'm just a million miles an hour. And he said, Matt, slow down. He said, did you try swapping headsets? And in that moment, it clicked. Yes, you need to slow down. So when it comes to being an AOG tech on the road, it's no different. It's slowing down. It's taking the time to be detail oriented. Uh, for myself, one of the things I personally do, I take pictures of everything I do. Anything that I see, I send to the customer. 
And the great thing about our emails is it includes all of our dispatch teams. So everybody at Constant can see what's happening. The customers can see what's happening. And there's that record kept in written chain. So I always try to send everything in an email. I take pictures. If I see something that doesn't look right or looks right, anytime I, an object passes or fails, I'm going to take a quick picture for my record and for the customer and for our company uh, to say, hey, Matt saw this. He took a picture. There's a record of this. Absolutely. So that self-assurance and self-awareness, especially to the point of, uh, like you're mentioning, taking photos that, that not only covers the customer to say, hey, we found additional items incorrect with your aircraft, but it's also a personal protection as well. Once again, you're out on your own just between you and the customer. You always want to have that self-protection. Uh, so um, I did have one other question uh, laid out, and I'm going to read this one off to you uh, because I, there's a ton of research going on in the, in the industry right now, and there's a lot of... Uh, different avenues and different paths and different uh, aviation is a booming, booming industry right now. And, you know, so with this rapid growth through our industry, you know, not just with us in business aviation, but when we combined that with such a heavy demand for pilots and mechanics, how do you see operators and maintenance providers still prioritizing safety while also balancing this insane push for revenue, hiring, effectively meeting the needs of our customers? There's a lot going on especially with you guys, like we said, with the quick turnarounds, how do you still prioritize safety with all of that going on in the background? Sure. So it's definitely an interesting time in aviation. I think you're seeing a large growth pattern and, and you can see it all over the place in social media. You see it on the news. You see airlines that are growing. You're seeing the private aviation sector growing. But if you break it down even slumper than that, you look at GA aircraft sales, for instance, you're seeing, you know, pre-buys on, you know, piston aircraft. You almost can't get one. Um, because people are buying general aviation aircraft so rapidly, um, then you're seeing the growth from GA to, you know, look at business aviation. 2020, you look at, say, Mountain Aviation, you look at Thrive Aviation, they grew over 50% in a year. The numbers of aircraft that they were buying may have been small from seven uh, to, say, 20, uh, compared to like a FlexJet or NetJets, who's growing hundreds of aircraft at a time. But then you look at the percentages and you say, okay, they grew over 50% in a year. However, when you look at the backside of that, did they grow with the support staff? And I can't answer that question that, you know, not being with those companies, but when you look at companies like that and you say, did they grow with maintenance? Did they grow with pilots? You hear mechanic shortages, you hear pilot shortages, airlines are buying aircraft so rapidly. Delta just purchased 37, 37s that are used and putting them in their fleet, uh, you know, just recently. So when you hear pilot mechanic shortages, there's also this rapid growth of buying aircraft. But on the flip side, are they looking at, do are we hiring the right amount of support for these aircraft? So for the companies, I think it's really important that they take a step back. It's one thing I think when you tell your employer employees to be safe, you know, you can, any company is going to tell you to be safe, but it's another to go, here's how to be safe. Let's break this down. Let's take the pictures. Let's slow down. Let's initial every step in your manuals of what you're doing. Um, that could be for pilots, that could be for maintenance, that could be for the people in the admin side who are taking on these larger loads of billing and just admin work because they're supporting a larger staff and a larger fleet. Um, so I think it's not about just talking about safety, it's telling people how to be safe. It's, it's a growing thing. You know, you look at companies like our, our Constant, we have an SMS program that is always evolving. That's a purpose of that. And every company should adapt some form of that growth of safety. Um, not just emphasizing safety, but let's tell our people how to be safe rather than just to be safe. 
Exactly. I, I've always kind of thought safety is not, especially when it comes to the culture, it's not really told and instructed to. It, it's a culture that evolves over time. And I think the biggest thing we lose sight of sometimes is that the safety culture is grown by experience and, and examples set forth. And that's, that's how you view, you view it in increments of how is the company evolving with their safety culture and how do we back that up? Um, so closing out a little bit, you know, I love talking to AOG technicians because you guys always seem to have this great passion for the work uh, that you do. And I can all, always hear it, especially right now, I can hear it with how you're discussing your history and how you look at your work on a daily basis. You're discussing walking through the hangar, doing a FOD walk, even though it wasn't mandated. And that's incredible. So where does your passion come from for this field and loving what you do? Yeah, I absolutely love what I do. I mean, I think I fell in love with aviation just early, really early on. Like I said, going to the National Air Force Museum, Air Force Museum, um, just learning about aviation history, growing up near an Air Force base. Um, when I joined the Air Force and started flying on the C-5, we would go to all these different bases around the world. And I'd see all these other planes flying and I would annoy people and be like, look at that. You know, you'd see this Airbus A400M park next door. You'd see this 747. You'd see these really cool, unique airplanes. And today I carry that with me. You know, um, I'm constantly snapping pictures like you see behind me. I'm constantly posting little bits of aviation history on my LinkedIn and just trying to reach out to people. I really love this industry as a whole. It's amazing. There's so much history behind it. There's so much further that we are going to go. It is absolutely incredible to see what uh, this industry has done since its evolution, you know, over the last 120 plus years. It, it, it's amazing. I can't wait to see where it goes. And, um, and then I, I love teaching. I really love, um, you know, bringing in the next generation of people. So when we talk about safety, I think that's another thing too, is we need to bring in the younger generation. We need to reach out to those you know, that group of high schoolers, even younger than that, and teach them that there's so many different uh, areas of aviation to get into. It may not just be being a pilot. It could be maintenance. It could be those other support staff. And then not only that, but there's so many different markets within. There's these niche groups. There's aerial firefighting. There's med flights. There's cargo. There's not just airlines. I didn't even think about private aviation when I got out of the Air Force. Um, I was just very fortunate that I had a great recruiter who got me into this, um, and I fell in love with it because now you know these aircraft are incredible. And private aviation, we're working on some of the most cutting edge technology, some of the greatest avionics systems out there, some of the, the newest, greatest generation of aircraft. And, and I've been very fortunate to work on a lot since getting out of the Air Force from the airlines to private jets now. And it's just amazing uh, to see what airplanes can do, how they're, you know, how they're built, where they're going. Um, and that's something I want to keep on to the next generation. I always tell uh, when we have student groups come in for tours and things like that, I always tell them aviation is the one industry that almost encompasses almost every other industry within it. If you like medical, we've got that. Like you said, firefighting, we've got that. Maintenance, flight, you name it, it's involved in there. And for sustainability and proactive natures, you won't find it better than you do in private aviation. We're the ones looking at sustainable aviation fuel. We're looking at vertical lift, electronic aircraft. You know, all the nuances that are coming out right now are usually pushed mainly by the private aviation sector. Yeah. Um, so, Matt, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast, truly. And if you want to check out Matt's LinkedIn page, he has some incredible social media posts coming out. It's almost like a day in the life of an AOG technician. It is incredible to see your journey as you're traveling across the country to work on these aircraft. So, Matt, 
thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Timothy. It has been great. And I'm so excited to see where this podcast goes and who you have on next. And uh, very honored to be one of the first guests. Uh, I hope that sets this podcast up for success. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Will. Uh, we do have a couple pretty cool guests in the pipeline. So if you have not liked and subscribed yet, please do so because uh, the end of this year and starting off in 2023, we have some great line, uh, great people lined up. So thank you again, Matt. Take care. Thank you.